Hi everybody, this is attorney Tania Silva. Today I want to speak to you about a program that we thought would be terminated by the current administration, but luckily we just received notice that the diversity visa program or the visa lottery or the green card lottery, you are going to hear different names. It's on for 2020. So today I'll give you an overview about the program and we are going to talk about the eligibility on how you get it. This program, officially known as the Diversity Immigrant Visa Program, is a statutorily mandated. That means it is a law that created it. Um, and it's known as diversity immigrants from countries with historically low rates of immigration to the United States. For the fiscal year of 2020, 50,000 diversity visas will be available. It is completely free to register for the program. And there's really only two very simple but very strict eligibility requirements to qualify uh, for the diversity visa. We will discuss them. The Department of State is going to determine who uh, the selectees are through a random computer drawing. So if you do qualify after listening to this explanation, please do so. The inscription or the registration period will open up on October 3rd, 2018. But again, this is to receive a green card if you are a winner until 2020. The diversity visa winners have already been announced for the year 2019. So this is for 2020. The diversity visa numbers are distributed among six geographic regions and no single country may receive more than 7% of the available visas in any one year. Now, very important to know that it's not every country that will qualify. For the year 2020, the natives of the following countries are not eligible to apply because more than 50,000 natives of these countries immigrated to the United States in the previous five years. So pay attention. If you're a native of these countries, of one of these countries, and you don't have another um, citizenship in another country, then you probably are not eligible to apply. These are the countries whose natives are not eligible to apply for the lottery visa, the diversity visa, or the green card lottery. It's all the same. These are the countries, Bangladesh, Brazil, Canada, China, we're talking about mainland China, Colombia, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Haiti, India, Jamaica, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, Peru, Philippines, South Korea, United Kingdom, except Northern Ireland, and its dependent territories and Vietnam. Now, I know I mentioned China, but remember, this is only mainland-born Chinese. Persons born in Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan are eligible to apply. There are no changes in eligibility this year from the previous years, so we will talk pretty soon on what the eligibility requirements are. There's only two. This is attorney Tanya Silva with the Immigration Force. Thank you.
Hi everybody, this is attorney Tania Silva with the Immigration Force again, and we continue talking about the diversity immigrant visa program or the diversity visas, um, lottery visa, uh, green card lottery. You'll hear it called by many different names, but it's a very exciting program where 50,000 diversity visas or green cards will be available. Again, the program is completely free if you qualify. There's only two very simple but very strict requirements. Let's talk about the first one. And if you remember in the last segment, I told you uh, which countries do not qualify. Because the first requirement is that the individual that is applying must be born in countries whose natives qualify to enter into the visa lottery. So if you are a native of one of the countries that I mentioned before, Bangladesh, Brazil, Canada, China, mainland-born China, Chinese, Colombia, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Haiti, India, Jamaica, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, Peru, Philippines, South Korea, United Kingdom, except Northern Ireland and its dependence territories, and Vietnam. If you were born in or you are native of one of these countries, you will not qualify to enter. However, even if you were not born in an eligible country, there may be two other ways that will help you qualify. Number one, where is your spouse from? Where was he or she born? If she was born in an eligible country, then you can claim your spouse's country of birth provided that both you and your spouse are named on the selected entry, that you both are eligible for and issued diversity visas, and that you both intend to enter the United States simultaneously. So as I said, even though these are very simple requirements, they are very strict. But ask yourself, even if I was born in one of these countries... Uh, that are not legible, maybe your spouse wasn't. Or if you do have double citizenship in a country that is not eligible and one that is eligible, then use that other citizenship, of course. The same applies to your spouse. So let's say you're not married or your spouse does not qualify either. Ask yourself the second question. Were you born in a country whose natives are ineligible? but in which neither of your parents were born or legally resided at the time of your birth? If yes, then you may claim the country of birth of one of your parents, provided that one of your parents was born in a country whose natives are eligible for the 2020 program. I know that sounded kind of confusing, Talk to an immigration attorney if you have questions or you believe that maybe your parents may qualify or you may qualify through the citizenship of your parents. And that is requirement number one. Again, these are very simple requirements, but very strict. When the next segment, we're going to talk about requirement number two, which is the education and work experience requirement. But in the meantime, this is attorney Tania Silva with the Immigration Force. We are the Special Forces of Immigration Lawyers.
Hello again, this is attorney Tania Silva with the Immigration Force. We are now moving on to requirement number two of the Diversity Immigrant Visa Program, or the Visa Lottery, Green Card Lottery, call it whatever you want. This is requirement number two. After you figure it out that you are a native or you have citizenship in a country that is eligible, you move on to requirement number two, which is the education or work experience requirement. To qualify for the diversity visa, each applicant must meet the education or work experience requirement of the program by having either at least a high school education or its equivalent, and this is defined as successful completion of a 12-year course of formal education elementary and secondary education. But if you did not finish high school, you may still be able to qualify if you meet the work experience requirement, which is two years of work experience within the past five years in an occupation that requires at least two years of training or experience to perform. Very important. Some of you may be thinking, oh, hey, I am in a type of work and I do have a type of work experience uh, in an occupation that does require at least two years of training. It is not dependent on what you think. How do we define or how is it decided if your occupation actually requires those two years of training? That is through the online database that is kept by the U.S. Department of Labor. So you can go there. It's called U.S. Department of Labor's O-Net online database. Look for the title of, of your occupation and you will see that it has in there the qualifying work experience for that particular occupation. So if you do not know, if you do not meet the education requirement of having finished high school and you must have finished high school, very important, by the time that you're applying. So if you know that you're going to be finishing high school until, say, uh, December, which is way past the registration close date, then you are going to have to wait until next year to apply for the diversity visa program of 2021, if it's still available. For now, we know that it's official that 2020 is going to be available. It's going to be open. But again, both or either your education or work experience must be current or must have met the eligibility by the time that you submit your application. Knowing if you finish high school, it's going to be fairly easy. Most countries in the world will give you some sort of certification, some sort of document, a diploma, uh, establishing or certifying that you indeed finished that elementary and secondary education. Now, the work experience requirement is a little bit more complicated, but as I said, you can do it yourself. Go visit the U.S. Department of Labor's O, as the letter O, net online database to determine the qualifying work experience. If you need more information about qualifying work experience, please don't hesitate to call us or contact us. Our phone number is 877 301 2525, or you can find us anywhere in all the platforms and social media as the Immigration Force or Abogada Fiera. 
This is Tanya Silva here to serve you. Hello again, this is attorney Tania Silva with the Immigration Force, and we continue talking about the Diversity Immigrant Visa Program, the Green Card Lottery, the Visa Lottery Program that was just recently announced that will be available to give out 50,000 green cards for the year of 2020. Right now, we will talk about the entry period. When are you able to submit your application. As I stated earlier, it will grant 50,000 green cards to 50,000 lucky people who do qualified. Now, what do you have to do to qualify or to actually apply? You are going to do it electronically. There is no way to submit your form in person or by paper. It has to be electronically. And you're going to go to, in English, is dvlottery.state.gov. That is going to be the link. There's no other link. Be very careful of phishing uh, websites or scams. dvlottery.state.gov. And that link is going to be active for new registrations between noon of Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018, and noon of Tuesday, November 6, 2018. Now, all these times are Eastern Standard Time. So you will have to do the, the math if you live outside of the United States of what time that is. But the link will be active again between noon of Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018, and noon of Tuesday, November 6th, 2018. Do not wait until the last week of the registration period to enter because heavy demand may result in website delays. The website will tend to get really congested, so do it early. Again, that is dvlottery.state.com. Gov. Very important for you to know that no late entries or again paper entries will be accepted. And only one entry per person is allowed during each registration period. The Department of State uses highly sophisticated technology to detect multiple entries. If you are found to have submitted more than one entry, you will be disqualified. Even if they find that after, say, you have been proclaimed a winner, you're still going to be disqualified. So make sure that when you submit your electronic form, you are going to receive a confirmation number. And that's it. You do not have to enter your information again. One entry per person. Now, the good thing about this is, so let's say you're married or you have siblings who meet the requirements, then each one of them can also submit an application. So each one of them can have their own entry, which who knows, can help out the family. Your spouse can also have his or her own entry. Your parents, if they qualify, can have, you can help them out to uh, have their own entries because this will give the winner a green card, which in turn in a few years becomes a U.S. citizenship. And that is about the entry period on the next segment. 
we will talk a little bit more about the actual process, what kind of information you need to have available so that you can fill out um, the whole application in one sitting. You really don't need a visa consultant or an agent or to pay somebody to do it. If you speak English, you can do it on your own. It's very straightforward. But we will talk about that in the next segment. This is attorney Tania Silva with the Immigration Force. We are the Special Forces of Immigration Lawyers. Hi, everyone. So let's move on now to how actually complete your electronic entry for the Visa Lottery, the 2020 program. First, remember that you're going to submit it electronically. There's no other way to do it. You are going to need internet. I suggest that you do it on a PC. Do not try to do it from your phone. It will be very, very difficult to do it. You're going to go online at dvlottery.state.gov. You have to finish it. They will not accept incomplete entries. It is completely free. Do not pay. I really discourage you from paying those visa consultant people or, or those organizations are going to look very legit. There really is no reason you should not be able to finish this on your own. Now, if someone does help you, you should be present when your entry is prepared so that you can provide the right answers to the questions and you can retain the confirmation page and your unique confirmation number. Do not just give that information to other people or do not just assume that they're going to give the right information. Because even if you're lucky enough to be selected, there's still going to be a vetting, uh, a vetting period. And if immigration or the Department of State finds out that you lied, and that, or that is, that organization or that person filled out the wrong information about you, that will be considered a lie. You are responsible for whatever they put in it in the application. So even if you do make it to the selection, you're still not going to be eligible because of the lies or because of the misinformation that those people put in your application. So I really do encourage you to do it yourself. It might look a bit overwhelming for some people, but trust me, you can do it. Do it at your own pace, do it slowly, but you know exactly what's being put in. After you submit a complete entry, you're going to get a confirmation screen that's going to contain your name and it's going to contain a unique confirmation number. Please, please, please print this confirmation screen for your records. It is extremely important because that confirmation page and unique confirmation number is necessary so that you can access later on the webpage, the dvlottery.state.gov to check if you made it. When are you going to be able to see the results? Starting on May 7th of 2019, you'll be able to check the status of your entry and you do need that unique confirmation number and your personal information. If you're lucky and it shows that you have been selected, that is not a guarantee that you're going to get a green card because remember, then a, vet, a new vetting process begins in which they're going to check for other eligibility. They're going to make sure that you have not been here 
illegally in the United States. They're going to make sure that you don't have a serious criminal record. And they're going to check that you answered everything truthfully. During the application, you're going to need very basic biographical information. Your last or your family name, your first name, your middle name. You need to write it down exactly as it appears on your passport. If you only have one name, one name, perdón, I'm sorry, you can just leave it empty. Okay, if they ask you for a last name or a middle name. Obviously, your gender, your birthday, the city where you were born, the country uh, where you were born, and use the name of the country currently used for the place where you were born. So even if it has a different name, I know some countries keep changing their names, use the current name. And they're going to ask you for the country of eligibility for the program. Your country of eligibility will normally be the same as your country of birth. But remember, we did talk in earlier segments about what to do if you were not, or if you were born in a country that is not eligible. Now, another requirement that you are going to need is a photograph, and it has to be in digital format. You can, it has, it must have been taken within the last six months, and it's not just a photograph of yourself. It's a photograph of you, but also passport size, a photograph, your spouse is going to need her own photo as well, and all the children that you list on your entry. Again, yourself, your spouse, and all the children listed in your entry. Now, you do not need to include a photograph for a spouse or child who is already a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident. But if you do submit it, you're not going to be penalized for doing it. All the entry photographs have to meet the same standards as U.S. visa photos. It would really be sucky if your entry is disqualified because you did not submit those photographs. And nowadays, it's very easy to take passport size photos and have the actual photographer digitalize them for you. Another thing some people think like, oh, well, I had already submitted. I have this digital photo that I submitted two years ago and they tried to submit it. That will also result in a disqualification. So please do not submit old photos. Take any photo yourself and it will already be in digital format anyway. When we talk about mailing addresses, if you do not have a zip code, many countries don't have zip codes, don't worry about that. There will be a question about the country that you live in right now of your phone number. I do suggest you put in your phone number and your email address. Make sure it's an email address to which you have direct access and that you will continue to use um, because they may uh, notify selectees in May of next year. If your entry is selected and you respond to the notification of your selection, you will receive a follow-up email from the Department of State notifying you the details of your immigrant visa interview and of the process. You also need to have evidence of the highest level of education you have achieved as of the day of your application. So you have to be ready to answer what school did you go to, what years did you go to, and also have evidence of that when it's time for your interview. 
Likewise, for your marital status, you are going to need document uh, evidence of that. Particularly if your spouse is not a U.S. citizen or a resident. Okay? If you have been divorced or legally separated, you also need documentation about that. If you do not list a spouse that is eligible or you list somebody who's not really your spouse, they might be your common law partner, but they're not your spouse legally by the laws of the country where you got married, then that's going to be a problem. And that could be grounds for disqualification. Legal separation is an arrangement under, under which a couple remains married, um, but you guys are separated following a court order. If that's the case, your spouse will not be able to immigrate with you through the diversity visa program. And you are not going to be penalized if you choose to enter um, the name of the spouse from whom you are legally separated, but you must state it in your application. Okay, so it's fairly simple. Again, these are fairly simple requirements, but they are very strict. When they asked about your children, you have to know their names, their date of birth, gender, the seating town they were born. And this applies for all your living unmarried children under the age of 21 years, under the age of 21 years old. Okay. And again, you are going to have to submit individual photographs of each of your children under the same technical specifications as your own photographs. Be sure to include all living natural children, even if it's children that you have not recognized legally, but if you know they are your child biologically, include them. And also all living children that you have legally adopted, you can also include all your living stepchildren who are unmarried and under the age of 21 on the date of your entry. Even if you're no longer legally married to the child's parent, and even if the child does not currently reside with you. For immigration purposes, if you married their parent when they were uh, younger than 18, they are considered your children as well. What happens if you have children who are married or children who are over the age of 21? Unfortunately, they are not going to be eligible for the lottery program. Or, but if at the time that you're submitting your application, your child's still single and your child is younger than 21, let's say they're 20 and they haven't turned 21, go ahead and include them in the application. We have something called the Child Status Protection Act, which protects these children from aging out. These are only certain circumstances. It's kind of complex. I'm not going to go into it, but please do go ahead and submit the application or include them in the application if they have not turned 21 by the time or the day that you submit your application. You do not need to submit information about children who are already U.S. citizens or residents. Um, you're not required and you are not going to be penalized for either including or omitting these family members from your entry. Now, if you do fail to list all your children who are eligible, or you list someone who is not your child, then that will result in disqualification for the principal applicant, which I assume it's you who are listening. So make sure, as I said, it's very straightforward, the questions that they're going to ask you, but it's important to have all that information 
beforehand. So if you have children, let's say from other marriages who are not living with you, make sure that you know, again, their names, their date of birth, where are they at right now? And do not get discouraged. If you have children who are single, who might be turning 21 by 2019, because if you do submit them, they might be able to be protected. That's something that you have to discuss with an immigration attorney. Let's talk a little bit about that popular digital photograph that we were talking about. If you go already with somebody that can take it for you, or they just use your phone or a digital camera, that's already going to be in digital format. And all that means is that you're able to download it from your computer. It has to be in color. It has to be in focus. It has to be taken within the last six months. Please do not use uh, Photoshop or any type of photo editor. Okay. They want to see you exactly as you look. If they look at the picture and you go to the interview and that does not look like you, that can disqualify you. So it's not worth it. Just be yourself. It has to be in color, has to be in focus. And it's pretty much if you say a passport size photo, one inch, um, one, it has to be a white background and, um, essentially like I would say 600 by 600 pixels in dimension. So it's a square photo, preferably if it's JPEG file format, because those, that's what they will accept for download. It has to be taken in front, uh, in front of a plain white or off white background, full face view, directly facing the camera with a neutral face expression and both eyes open. Take it in clothing that you normally wear on a daily basis. Uniforms should not be worn in your photo, except religion, religious clothing that is worn daily. So let's say if you are a monk, for example, or a nun, then that is okay. If you wear that, that clothing that you generally wear every day. Please do not wear a hat or head coverings that obscure the hair or hairline unless you wear daily for religious purpose. So let's say if you are a Muslim woman who wears a hijab or any type of head covering, then that's okay if you wear it for the photo. Now your full face has to be visible. So any head covering cannot cast any shadow or cover your face. You are gonna have to take off, let's say if you wear a burqa or I used to uh, full face covering, you are going to have to take that off, at least for the photograph. They have to see your face, unfortunately. Um, you cannot have headphones uh, or any other devices in your photo. Try, no, not try, actually do not wear eyeglasses. If you do normally wear a hearing device or similar articles, and that's okay if you're wearing them in your photo, even if you wear eyeglasses, I suggest you take them off for the photo. Okay, and again, this is a square photo, uh, two by two inches, I would say, and make sure that you scan it at a resolution that is fairly clear uh, for them to uh, see who is you. And those are the requirements. It sounds a little bit overwhelming, but trust me, it's a very simple process, it's a very simple application. Do make sure that every person in your family who qualifies does apply because you just never know. And we are very excited that they continue with this program because we really thought 
that the administration was going to get rid of it. We do not know what's going to happen for 2021, but at least for 2020, we do know that 50,000 lucky people are going to get that green card. It could be you. So do it. Again, the period opens up in October 3rd and very good luck. You never know. This is attorney Tanya Silva for the Immigration Force. We are the Special Forces of Immigration Lawyers. Saludos Podcast, les habla su abogada fiera Tania Silva y el día de hoy hablaremos rapidito acerca de la hermana gemela de las visas B que nadie, a la que nadie le hace caso. Generalmente todo el mundo está muy eh, familiarizado con las visas, las visas B2 que son las visas de turista, pero en el grupo de las visas B Está también la visa B1, que es una visa temporal para visita temporal por motivos de negocio. ¿Quién puede pedir ese tipo de visa? Cualquier persona que piense en participar en alguna actividad de negocio, alguna actividad comercial eh, o de carácter eh, profesional dentro de Estados Unidos, que no sea un empleo. Y esto puede ser que venga a consultar con otros profesionales, que esté, tra que esté viajando por algún tipo de convención, conferencia, taller, que sea científico, educativo, profesional o de negocios, que venga acá por alguna razón de herencias, que venga acá a negociar un contrato, a participar en cualquier tipo de entrenamiento o que venga a comprar producto, maquinaria eh, para su negocio fuera de Estados Unidos. Como mencionaba al principio, esta visa es una visa temporal, pero no es una visa de empleo. Es una visa de visita también a Estados Unidos, pero cuando esa visita es de carácter de negocios. Entonces, muy importante, si usted tiene una visa B1, que recuerde que no puede venir aquí a recibir ningún tipo de remuneración, sea monetaria o no, pero ningún tipo de remuneración por sus servicios, por su trabajo. Lo que sí puede hacer con una visa B1 es venir y quizás hablar con algún tipo, algún otro negocio con el que usted quiera entablar una sociedad, por ejemplo, pero no puede ya en sí comenzar su empleo hasta que ya haya cambiado su visa a una visa de empleo. De lo contrario, la visa B1 es únicamente para venir de visita por motivos de negocios o por motivos profesionales. Generalmente el periodo de estadía que le dan acá es de uno a seis meses, seis meses siendo el máximo. Y sí hay la posibilidad de pedir una extensión de hasta seis meses eh, siempre y cuando haya una razón válida para estar pidiendo esa extensión. También usted teniendo esa visa B1, Puede eh, venir acá y como le decía, incluso venir y buscar empleo. Puede hacer eso, puede venir incluso a una entrevista, pero no puede aceptarlo ni comenzar a trabajar hasta que ya se haya cambiado su visa a una visa de empleo. Otra cosa muy importante es que la visa B1 
en, se le otorga de manera independiente, así que no se le puede otorgar a, a, de carácter derivado, como decir que si usted la tiene, no la va a tener su esposa o sus hijos, sino que la tiene usted nada más. No se la puede otorgar a nadie y tampoco le da un permiso de trabajo. Así que no puede trabajar a pesar de que se considere una visa eh, por de visita por motivos de negocio. Pero la clave es visita. Usted viene nada más de visita por alguna razón profesional o de negocios, pero tiene su domicilio fuera de Estados Unidos, no tiene la intención de abandonar ese domicilio eh, y sabe usted y puede corroborar que tiene ese arraigo y que tiene una vida estable fuera de Estados Unidos. Pero quizás, dada su negocio, dada su empresa, eh, muchas veces automáticamente les van a otorgar una visa B1 y B2. Pero usted puede viajar a Estados Unidos utilizando cualquiera de las dos visas dependiendo de la razón de su viaje. Así que, por ejemplo, si usted vino a Estados Unidos un verano por cuestiones de turismo, entró con una visa, con su visa B2. Pero si tiene que regresar tres meses después para venir y comprar producto para su negocio o venir a algún taller, por ejemplo, eh, puede entrar utilizando su visa B1. Puede utilizar las dos, no al mismo tiempo, muy importante. Cualquier inmigrante que entra a Estados Unidos, no importa cuántas visas tenga, siempre va a entrar con una visa nada más. Y esa visa es la que va a regir el propósito de su estadía en Estados Unidos. Así que si usted entró con una visa de turista, únicamente puede estar haciendo turismo acá en Estados Unidos. Si entró con una visa B1, se, se asume que la razón de su viaje es por motivos de negocios, por motivos eh, de su profesión. Pero de nuevo, no es una visa de empleo, pero sí es una visa que muchas veces no se utiliza porque no se entiende para qué sirve. Pero sí la puede utilizar, aunque usted ya la tenga, aunque tenga una visa combinada, si la razón de su viaje es por motivos de negocio. Así que espero que esto le haya dado un poquito más de conocimiento acerca de la visa B1. Fíjese en su visa en la que le dieron, a ver si no le dieron una visa de carácter mixto B1 y B2 y de esa manera puede utilizarlas las dos. Recuerde que como cualquier otro tipo de visa temporal, ya estando dentro de Estados Unidos, si usted califica para otra visa, Puede usted solicitar que le cambien el estatus a la visa que, a la que usted califique, sea de empleo, sea una visa de estudiante, eh, etcétera. Hable con un abogado de inmigración que le pueda asesurar, asesorar en su caso. Yo soy la abogada Tania Silva, conocida en el mundo entero como la abogada fiera. Hasta la próxima.